Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. The Bible is filled with words like it said about Caleb. He wholly followed the Lord. Or it was talking about Stephen being filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter 9, we find the phrase, full of good works. Now, who was this talking about? It was talking about a woman who had two names, well, translated because of that, Tabitha, or also known as Dorcas. And today on Exploring Missions, we're going to look at her for a moment, and then we're going to have an interview with a pastor who has some unique sharing to do concerning their ministries in the area of missions and reaching out. Nathan, you know, in Acts chapter 9, we find right in this transition period where we've been introduced to to the Apostle Paul, uh, the book of Acts has been covering the Apostle Peter, but right in this midst, we meet a lady who was full of good works. Uh, I found that phrase very interesting. It's not saying that she was uh, got saved by works, but it does sound like Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 about uh, after we've been saved, we're saved unto good works. Sounds like Dorcas lived up to that. Yeah, she was uh, putting uh, the good news that she had believed about Jesus, uh, his death, burial, resurrection. Uh, she had put her trust in Jesus, and she was a disciple of Jesus, uh, but she was putting that on display in her life through the good works that she was always doing. Uh, that verse 36 says uh, she was always doing good works and acts of charity. Um, man, that's a great testimony, don't you think? It is, and I pray that we would live up to that. You know, uh, I think, I'll just go ahead and say it, pastors who preach and teach, teachers radio, uh, sharing the gospel, we get so many, uh, much attention, thank you, or man, we appreciate it. Now, we do get criticism as well, but sometimes I don't think we give enough credit to those people out there who are keeping the nurseries during uh, worship time and teaching the children, those men and women that are working, men that have a work day at the church, and they say, all you ladies that are by yourself, bring your cars in, and, and we'll check your car out, an oil change, and we'll, we'll do whatever, or women who, who share and, and minister to others. Uh, sometimes they, they do their work, and they don't get the recognition they should, Nathan. I, I believe that was true kind of with Dorcas until she died, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, she had a, uh, an important ministry. She had a, uh, her life was, um, an important life, uh, there in the, in the city of, uh, the town of Joppa, uh, which is on the, the, uh, Western coast there, uh, in Israel. But, um, you know, she, uh, impacted many, many lives, uh, 
Um, and it, it's interesting how here in Acts chapter 9 and then leading into Acts chapter 10, um, you know, Peter, and we'll read about this, but Peter comes down to Joppa and then uh, in chapter 9 here, and then chapter 10, he, he leaves from Joppa again. But it's interesting to kind of, this uh, sort of ties in Peter's story to what was going on with the, uh, the early church, how they left from Jerusalem. A lot of them had left because of persecution and would kind of scatter a little bit. We don't know about Tabitha or Dorcas here. Why was she in Joppa? Maybe she actually lived in Joppa. Um, but wherever she was and whatever her story that we don't know, you know, the full story, whatever that was, um, she was doing good works and acts of charity. And it was always, you know, it was a lifestyle for her, not, not a project, not, a, uh, not an organized necessarily thing. It was kind of just organic to her, who she was. And uh, man, she had such a great impact there. Verse 37 does tell us that story about her becoming sick and she died. And they they washed her, put her in the upper room. And they found out Peter was not too far away, you know, next, I'd say just the village real close. And they sent for Peter and uh, they he came. I could not help but compare that with Jesus. When Lazarus died, he waited four days. Uh, Peter wasn't trying to repeat what Jesus did, so he came quickly, Nathan. I, I little humor that I picked up. It says, Peter arose and went with them, and when he had come, they brought him the, into the upper room, and then all the widows stood by him weeping, and then they showed him the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while he was with while she was with them. Now again, uh, these ladies, uh, she either had her shop there where they could go and look at it, or these women were wearing those yeah. garments one way or the other. But they were at least sounds like they were recipients of 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 Dorcas's good works, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I pictured it uh, either way, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting if you imagine all these ladies standing around wearing the clothes that that <laughs> Dorcas had made for them, um, you know, showing, look at my life. Um, you know, the clothes are just one aspect of it, but, you know, my life um, has been impacted by this lady, uh, by this by this dear woman. And uh, they were, you know, they were thankful for that, but um, they felt, I guess, in their heart that there was more work for her to do, um, and apparently there was. And the rest of the story is, uh, Peter said, go out of the room, and he knelt and prayed, and he just said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all the Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. Mm. Not only her good works, but her life, and now her being brought back to life, was missional. Uh, so she was missional in her life. She was missional, I would say, in her death. And now she's missional once again. Uh, sounds like a full life of missions, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, when when you're a disciple of Jesus, that's what uh, your life should be. You know, should be a life lived on mission. Whether you you know leave your own town or not, you know, she might have been here in this one house in this one 
uh, village for her whole life. Uh, but Jesus had changed her life, and she was living out that difference, uh, that change that he had made. And, and you know, it's, it was through good works. We know some of that good works was the, uh, you know, the sewing of clothes for, for these widows. Um, but it doesn't say there wasn't more. She might have even done more things. It was good works, plural, and acts, actions of charity. You know, um, you think about that. It's, it's like you give. Um, without expecting anything to be given back to you in return, um, you know, an act of charity. And um, that's how that's how Dorcas uh, lived her life. And, you know, especially for, for widows who really did not have anything to give back, but could not repay uh, what they were given. Um, and so it didn't matter to Dorcas. She was there to, to live that out. You know, when I was reading this, I wanted to share real quickly two individuals that you and I have been a part. They've been a part of our lives. One is Wanda. I'm not going to call her last name, but she had such a ministry, and she had a, a difficulty physically where she could not get out a lot. She was close to homebound, but she could make pound cakes, Nathan. You remember that? <laughs> I do. And And she would find out a need in her community, uh, at our church, and she would take a long time making that pound cake. And then when her husband, Jack, would come in, he would deliver that cake for her. And it may have been the death of of a spouse or a child or a parent. It may have been some surgery of someone. But she used that as a ministry, and she touched many lives, including ours, right? Yeah, Definitely. And, and when you find that out, you say, well, I'm not a seamstress like Dorcas. I'm not a baker like Wanda. I want to tell you someone else, and you may not know this, but a recently a death of a friend of ours, the home going of, of Mr. Goolsby, and just recently. And he was such a godly man. He and his wife, Dottie, they influenced my life and many people's lives. And, you know, he got older and could not teach any longer. He said, my mind won't stay with it. But he was in a Sunday school class, and he said, I can write prayer grams. And each Sunday, when those prayer needs come up, he would make a note, try to find an address, and he would write that prayer gram and say, and we prayed for you on this particular Sunday. Uh, we're remembering you. And he would send that. And he said, I, I'm not just going to sit on the sidelines and do nothing regardless of how much time. Nathan, again, you said it earlier, that's a full life. Is There's not a time to quit, is there? No, and, and you know, it doesn't matter um, where our skills or abilities lie. That's not the starting point. The starting point is Jesus. He saved us. He's changed our lives. And we've been called to share that, to be witnesses of, of him. Uh, wherever we go, whatever we do, and, and so whatever it is that we might be good at, whatever it is we think we might not be good at, um, whatever opportunities are in front of us, that's how we are to to use those and to, to live. Um, there's some good works for each of us to do. There are acts of charity for all of us to engage in. Um, it really doesn't matter what it is specifically. Uh, it's that, that we are faithful to do that. As we listen to this interview, we want you to be encouraged, but we also want you to be challenged. Lord, 
what is in my life that you can use for your glory and your honor. Listen to this interview. I think you will be blessed. Today, we're interviewing Dr. Jeff Shreve. He is pastor of the First Baptist Church, Texarkana, Texas. And I want to just tell you, I've heard about your church from about three different employees at AFR that have visited you and visited your church, got on the website, and seeing what all you guys were doing missionally. How cool. It was really exciting to hear that, and I just wanted to take the opportunity for you to share a little bit. Uh, was the church missional-minded when you got there 18 years ago, right? Yes. Yes, and in our bylaws, it states that 25% of, uh, of the budget goes to mission activities and missions and ministries, and so... Um, when we have, God has blessed us over the years with uh, abundance, and so we we put always put twenty five percent toward um, local missions and state and national missions, and then international work. And so the church was very involved in uh, Guatemala when I came, and we we helped start a hospital there, and we would go there every year. And so we. Um, we give to the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention and give generously to that. And so we've had a lot of things going on. We've partnered with Cuba and we've helped build a church there in Cuba. Um, We've done some things in Chiapas, Mexico. I've gone on mission trips to the Philippines and to uh, to China. Uh, that was uh, one of the latest ones. Those are those get you know start minimizing the amount of people that can go when you go on those because those right. are expensive yeah. and longer. But um, yeah, First Baptist Tex- Texarkana has uh, has had a good history of of supporting missions around the world. That is exciting when a missional pastor meets up with a missional church. Yes. Uh, you don't have that conflict. It's already set in pattern and it's the heart and the goal because the pastor has to have that vision, doesn't he? Right, he does. And one of the things I think a challenge, Bert, for the local church is that I know at our church, it's easier for certain people to give money and some people can't go. They, you know, they're not physically able to go. And so they can pray and they can support. And those things are critical. But as you know, when you actually go on the field, it, it doesn't, you know, you go to be a blessing, but the people are a blessing to you. It changes you. When I went to, uh, to Kenya, Africa many years ago, I mean, it was just, that's a huge change in my life. Just being there seeing how those people live and, um, you know, knowing that uh, God can use me halfway across the world to make a difference and knowing that you bring that back with you to your people. One of the most amazing, I find it humorous in a good way, uh, when they have a building program like in Africa, they just find, try to find a shade tree. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that sure makes it a lot simpler, doesn't it? It does. And so when we were there, we were there in 1999, um, you know, as little as $1,000 can allow them to build a building. Yeah. And uh, it's really important for the churches there to have a building because if you're just identity under a tree... Identity too, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it identity? It gives them identity and then it gives them a place for the people to come. Yeah. They know if it's raining or something like that, we're, we have coverage and so what it's important. When you look at local ones there in Texarkana, mm-hmm. I've heard something about a quilt ministry. Yes. Now that intrigued me because I'm old enough that my mom would quilt, uh, uh-huh. you know, and have all those designs, and it was neat. I, I know that. I know yours is more sophisticated than that. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about this ministry. Yeah, so we have some wonderful ladies that get together and uh, and 
form our quilting ministry, and they'll make quilts for people dealing with cancer um, and, and other ailments and things like that. And they'll say, hey, they did that for my dad. They sent my dad a quilt when he was going through cancer treatments. And uh, we sent one uh, just a couple of years ago to Johnny Erickson Tata when she, her cancer returned, and she was so sweet, gave a video response back and just so grateful. And, and so the church has used uh, that kind of an outreach to minister to people who are at a really low spot and to let them know, hey, we, we love you, we care about you, we're praying for you, and may God use this, this act of service and, and this gift to, to bless your heart. Uh, I was at a church and they had the quilting ministry. Now it was they gave it to like people whose homes burned and mm-hmm. people who they knew. But they decided they'd do one for their pastor. And uh, and what they did on some of the squares, they put each one of their names in oh, those squares. Cool. Th- over thirty years ago, and we still have that quilt, and it still means so much oh, to wow. me. I Quilt's so. one of those things you keep in your hand down, right? So you, it, it's more than just a warm. It is. You know, saturated in prayer, right. and it really usually goes from to another generation, Jeff. Right. I mean, it really does, and so that's such great ministry. I also heard about a backpack ministry. Yeah, we've done we've done that. I tell you, Bert, one of the things that uh, we started several years ago, uh, probably ten plus now. Uh, Stephanie Bright, who's our children's minister, has a great heart for. Uh, kids in in conflict and kind of um, you know at risk children and things like that. So we started a, a group called Club Twenty Nine Eleven based on Jeremiah Twenty Nine Eleven. Okay. For I know the plans I have for you. And so we started. We partnered with the schools and we started bringing these kids in and and teaching them life skills and feeding them and loving on them and doing fun stuff for them and giving them Christmas and and all those things. And uh, that has paid such great dividends to see. Th- a lot of those kids come to Christ and come and be a part of the church and, and to see, uh, you, know, you talked about longevity. So you see those kids that were in fourth grade and now they're adults and, um, and they're walking with God and, and, uh, to know that our church has had a huge impact on their lives. Uh, that's been an awesome thing. One of the things we try to do on Exploring Missions is give those who are listening ideas that they can try in their community, in their church, even in their homes, you know, when they can do it. The other thing that I heard you say, and it was Guatemala, and you returned there, they were adopted. Is it good for a church to adopt kind of a country uh, area and go back year after year? Does does that pay dividends for us? I know it does to them, but it does something for the church itself, doesn't it? Right, it does. And and then people go and then they bring their children to to come for the next time. And um, so we've had whole families go on the Guatemala mission trip. And when I got there, it was a lot more medical and uh, not as much evangelical. And so we really worked to say, hey, yeah, we fix the people's bodies. That's important. But the most important is their soul. So we want to talk to them about Jesus and we want to make sure that becomes a a big thrust of that ministry. And so we've added um, like almost like a vacation Bible school in the community. So we have the docs working on the people and then we go out into the community and we'll do Bible stories for the kids and do fun stuff with them. And, you know, in some of those areas, they'll, they'll just flock to that because it's it's something new and um, you see the gringos coming and, yeah. you know, they're, they're attracted to that. They are. When you do that, do you have a missionary on the field you're working through yes. or you're, denom- you're Southern Baptist and right. working through them, they have ways of 
connecting you. So connections are really important. Speak to that about a local church connecting with missionaries at different places. Right. That's really important because, I mean, you're going into a place where you don't know. So you you have to have somebody on the ground that understands the culture, the people, um, what's needed. And so we rely on those people uh, in, in such a critical way. Now, the, the work that we're doing in Cuba, we're working with a pastor there. And so we've helped build his church, and we've had people go with for construction. And, um, I mean, it's made a huge difference for him, and he is so appreciative. And, you know, they'll have uh, 80 to 100 people or 100-plus people come to the church and um, just to see. I mean, Cuba is a tough—that's a tough area. You know, it's a communist place, and um, it's been very, very rewarding for our people to, to be able to make that impact. With the years you've been working in Cuba, have— any of the restrictions lessened, or is it just the same, or more strict? Um, it's. I think it's pretty much the same. It just everything. You know, it's hard to get materials, and uh, they just put their thumb on anything that's being. You can't construct anything new, so it has to be kind of like, well, we're rebuilding this. You know, you have to kind of get around some of their requirements and restrictions. Um, but the Lord still blesses in the midst of all that, and uh, we've had a number of guys in our church. I have not yet gone to Cuba, but a number of the guys have gone, and they've just been so blessed. And we do vacation Bible school with the kids and then preach at night, and it's a, it's a full trip. There's, yeah. They're working hard during the day. and, and uh, It's not a vacation. No, no, it's not. The other thing that I, I wanted you to speak to that I picked up on in our discussion is the trips like to China are far off and you have to take fewer people because of the finances and everything. A church that has, that can have those options of going close like Guatemala, which Mm -hmm. doesn't take as much and you can have more people go. And then those that fewer people go to Nepal, uh, China, whatever. If a church can do both, it has those benefits because... I've just noticed this. You got those that need to go when they're first timers. Right. First timers, would you recommend them to go to Guatemala first and then China? Right. But why is that? Yeah. Well, you know, some of those trips, like the the trip I did to Kenya, I mean, that's a. That's a tough trip. I mean, you're in the out in the bush, and you're walking through. We walked through one area where the grass is waist high, and if you if you get bitten by a snake or something out there, you can die. I mean, it's I, I don't like snakes, and so I was a little nervous. I told my guy. He said, "We're taking a shortcut," and I was like, "No more shortcuts. I don't want to walk through this grass. <laughs> I mean, you got black mambas there that'll yeah. bite you and kill you." But I think it's good to get your feet wet. That's why doing just a local mission project, yeah. whether it's going downtown and helping helping with, with this, that, or the other. It just gets people in the mode and just teaching them how to share their faith and how to how to be the witness. And, um, you know, birds, like what we said, it, it's easy to go and maybe construct something, or it's easy to go and provide medical. The, th- the thing that people need more than anything is they need to hear about Jesus. Yeah. And so that's got to be the overriding purpose of why we're doing it. A few years ago, in the church I was at, we were singing a song. The pianist, she was young lady, she said, oh, I just love some of these old songs. Well, the bad part of that, I, I remembered when it was new, you know, mm-hmm. and it was that about how do you tell 
a hungry man about the breath of life? Mm-hmm. How do you give a thirsty man, a, you know, a living right. drink of God's water? <clears throat> so both of them have purpose, but without the gospel, their greatest need is going unmet, isn't it? Right. Adrian Rogers used to say, if all you give people is soup and soap without salvation, all you do is make this world a better place to go to hell from. Yeah. And so we don't want to do that. We want to give them the gospel in addition to their acute need of food, let's say, but their deepest need is spiritual because so what if you have all your physical needs met and you die and go to hell? You, you lost. I mean, you lost forever. One of the groups that Nathan and I talk about a good bit is unreached people groups. And uh, I saw a recent magazine and it showed that 1040 window over in Asia, you know, in part of Africa, of those that are, you know, less than 2% mm-hmm. of them have even received a chance to receive the gospel. Mm. How can the church as a whole make inroads into that? It's like there's a conclave of of unbelief there. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I see a map like that, Jeff, my heart aches. Mm. Uh, and most every one of those, if you go as a missionary, you better go undercover, hadn't you? Right. You have to go undercover. And uh, I had a friend of mine that was in uh, Turkey and he was a missionary there and he, he's, you know, he's undercover. You know, can't tell him what you're there for. And he said, finally, he just got tired of, of having to be a secret agent. He just started telling, if they kick me out of the country, they kick me out of the country. I have to tell people about Jesus right. because this beating around the bush, trying to develop a relationship for two or three years, um, you know, people can die in that time period. And so there's a sense of, okay, I got to, I got to kind of tiptoe around, but then eventually you got to just say, this is what I'm here for. I want you to do one more thing before we start with this conversation is encourage, you're a pastor, I'm a pastor, encourage a pastor to do the missional work of the Great Commission. Just speak a word of encouragement because they might not be in a church like you came to right. that were that was already there. They're spending most of their money on Padded pews, <laughs> right. good sound. I'm not saying those things are not important. Right. But, you know, when you look at the world and how right. it's going, some of the things our local churches spend our money on, and I say our money, right. being guilty, you know, uh, right. there's a little bit of, okay, anxiety there. We need to be missional-minded and look out into the fields, don't we? Right, we do. And it starts at, you know, it starts across the street. Uh, there was a statement that said, hey, don't go across the sea until you're willing to go across the street. Sometimes it can be easier to go across the sea than across the street. But, you know, evangelism starts at home. And then from there, I think I would just encourage pastors to um, be a witness, not just from the pulpit, but in the community, when you go out to eat, at the cleaners, wherever you go, develop relationships with unbelievers that you can share the gospel with. Tell your church about it. You know, celebrate that before them. Help them to see that we're called to be a witness and we're called to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So start where you are, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth and and put that before the people on a continual basis and help people give them on ramps. So it's like, hey, we're going to do this Saturday, we're going to do this mission activity in, in downtown City X or whatever that they can do. And maybe they can do it as a family and help them kind of whet their appetite for that. So, you know, it's, it's hard to run until you start to crawl and walk. So you, you just give them steps where they can 
jump on. It's one step at a time, no matter who you are, isn't it? Amen. Jeff, thank you for being with us. Hey, thank you, Bert. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions today. We feel like God has called each and every one of us to be on mission for Him. Find out what you can do for others and use it for His glory. Thank you again for listening to Exploring Missions.